Would you turn with me to the book of Hebrews this evening, the sixth chapter. If you're not sure where that is, uh, your neighbor will help you out. We've got scriptorians all over the place here, people that know their Bible. and We're going to Hebrews 6. We're going to believe God tonight and get something good from the Lord. Be excited. Something that will help us. Because we have not arrived at total Christ-like perfection. We're on our way. Which means that you could improve. And I could improve. In different areas. And so we ought to be excited about that. About the prospect of getting some things fixed and changed and improved. And so let's believe for it. Let's believe for it. Father, we thank you tonight for the privilege of being your children, being in your family, having our names in the Lamb's book of life, knowing we are citizens of heaven. Thank you that you're working on our mansions right now, working on our places. Thank you that soon and very soon you're coming back to receive us to yourself. We're so glad. But Lord, we know that there's work to be done between now and then, if it's a day or a year or ten or a hundred. There's work to be done and that we're here for a purpose, for a reason. So open our eyes and our ears, enlighten our minds and our heart and our understanding. Help us to see all that you would that we should. And we purpose not to be hearers only, forgetful hearers, but by your grace to be those who put it into practice, those who are doers of the word. And we know we'll be blessed. We know you'll bring us up from grace to grace and faith to faith and glory to glory by your word, by the spirit of the living God. Thank you. Get glory to yourself. Amen. Said out loud, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. Hallelujah. Hebrews 6. Anybody here last week? Did you remember what we talked about? We were excited. Do you remember? Ooh, glory to God. What are y'all laughing about? We were excited over something called diligence. Diligence. Which is very different from negligence. (laughs) Not negligence. (laughs) Diligence. Here's a scripture we looked at in Hebrews the 6th chapter. And the 10th verse. It says, God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Now let's just stop right there. Here's a four letter word. That some don't like to talk about. But it's a good word. Work. <laughs> we done lost half the crowd. Hadn't even, hadn't even read the text yet. <laughs> Work is a Bible word. In fact, if you got any question about it, look up the word labor, work. Uh, actually, the word we use, we, we always talk about ministry, ministry, ministry. Really, that same word's translated service yes. and work, yes. which is why we have service teams instead of ministry teams. Because we've got a whole lot of folk 
that talk about their ministry. And they think that means somebody's supposed to help you. Help me. Because I got a ministry. Somebody's supposed to respect me. And somebody's supposed to help me. And somebody's supposed to support me. Because I got a ministry. Ministry means to serve. Means to work. Somebody say work. Work. Now you wouldn't want to get too quiet on these messages. <laughs> and you wouldn't want to get a big frown or scowl on your face. Because people might get the idea that you don't want to work. And you don't like to work. And you got something against work. <laughs> I mean there are. I mean I just looked up a few references. And they're way over a thousand. In the Bible about service and ministry and work and labor. And here it says God is not. He doesn't forget. What? Your work. And your labor. I'm going to say work. Labor. Do you like these words? Because God does. He uses them hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. In the Holy Word, God is very big on work. Believers are supposed to work. Hmm? Daddies are supposed to work. Mommies are supposed to work. Children are supposed to work. Children are supposed to work. Children are supposed to work. Man, we got a generation today that are just clueless. You know, you got dads that'll work eight and ten, twelve hour shift and come in and fire up the lawnmower and cut the grass, and they got a sixteen year old boy in there laying on the couch playing video games. Now, is this ignorance or what? This is ignorance, and it is so. Bad for the child. Because hopefully they're not going to lay on mom and daddy's couch all their life. Hopefully they're going to school or they're going to have a career. And if they do that all they're growing up and then they go to a job. They will think that people are going to let them continue to do that and pay them to do that. And they're in for a rude awakening. Aren't they? And it's because of poor parenting that these children are not prepared for college and for the workforce. Hmm? I mean, I, you know, we didn't grow up wealthy per se, but we were blessed. I mean, we didn't go hungry and we had clothes to wear, a lot more prosperous than some people on the planet. But uh, we worked, man, and we didn't get paid for everything we did. It just needed to be done. And so we did it. And I never forget, I got a job when I was 13 at a service station fixing truck flats. I'm talking about tractor trailer, two piece rims. That, and I'm not talking about with a piece of equipment, I'm talking about with a sledgehammer. <laughs> a sledgehammer and, uh, you know, the wedges. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever fixed one? Two piece. 
tractor trailer. That's what I did. And I pumped gas and I changed uh, oil and that kind of stuff. His service station. And I was working, I don't know, 12 hour days when I could, you know, when I wasn't at school, after school, you know, uh, sometimes four hours, then on Saturday, all day long, that kind of stuff. And I was so excited because they paid me. They paid me. So you might have thought it was terrible, but no, I was so excited because I was doing this at home and not getting paid. (laughs) But what I'm saying is I had no difficulty integrating into the workforce. No difficulties. Because I didn't expect somebody to just give me a check every week for sitting around drinking coffee and doing nothing. I knew they expected me to work. And I was used to work. I was accustomed to work, but just not excited because I'm getting paid. (laughs) Listen, friends, parents, you are not doing your children a favor by babying them and pampering them and never requiring anything of them and never giving them any duties or any task and never requiring them to follow through and finish and doing it. You are setting them up for failure if you don't require some things of them. And expect some things of them. Hmm? Somebody say work. 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 Mama's supposed to work. Somebody says, well, she's a stay-at-home mom. That's work. That's work, brother. Or whatever, you know, if she's not doing that, if she's doing both. Dad's supposed to work. He's not supposed to just let. I don't care how much uh, mom makes. Dad's supposed to work too. Supposed to be occupied. Doing something. And it's not okay to always have some kind of excuse. Year after year. Sore neck. Sore back. Sore foot. Sore finger. Belly ache. Headache. You know what I'm talking about? There's some guys around. They ain't done a lick of work. That's a good southern expression. Y'all know what I mean by that, don't you? They hadn't done a lick of work. In 10 years. Because they're not able. And listen friend. If you use something. You use a physical weakness or sickness. As an excuse to get out of work. You are keeping it. You are not getting rid of it. If you want to be healed. You can't do that. You can't use it. Hmm? That's why little ones claim they're sick. To miss school. Or because they got a test that day. Or because they just want some of mom's chicken soup. And some special attention. It's not funny. It's not okay. Because it's yielding to the enemy. And everybody at some point. You need to learn. That even though you don't feel good. You got to get up. Right. Now there's a time to give yourself some rest. But some folk. That's every day. I remember the one of the first uh, mission trips I went on into Central America. A uh, group of us went down there to participate in some evangelistic meetings to build some uh, on, on some physical buildings and you know work with wood and that kind of thing. There were some street teams, and uh, we're all sleeping sleeping bags all over the place. And and we got in there and they told us don't drink the water, and we didn't. Except I forgot about brushing my teeth. And some other people did too. 
And then some other folk uh, got some stuff off the street corner they shouldn't have got. And I, the next morning when I woke up at daylight, we we're going to get ready to go. Man, my stomach was not right. It felt like World War III was going on in there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, man, I mean, and I heard some other people, you know, outside the building throwing up. And I realized because I thank God I'd been around Brother Hagen already for a little while and around healing school. And I realized, man, now some things are made or broken right now, right here. I can lay down and yield to this, or I can resist this. What am I going to do? And so I I stirred myself up, and I got myself up and got dressed and began to speak over myself. I'm healed. And Jesus laid my hands on my stomach and spoke to it. And uh, I felt rough for the first two and a half hours. But later in the morning... We're outside working on the side of a mountain doing some stuff. And you think you're going to throw up just any minute. But I realized it's been 30 minutes since I felt like I was going to throw up. I'm getting better. And then by that afternoon, I'm feeling fine. I ate lunch. And we went the rest, I don't know how many days. I mean, we went all over that place. And we had meetings and stayed up late and got up early and did all kind of... I was fine. I was strong. I was good. There were, I don't know, there must have been 10 or so people that stayed in that morning. And they were so sick, some of them thought they were going to die. And they were there the whole time in bed. whole time. Does it make a difference if you give in or if you resist? Makes all the difference. And so our children need to learn this at an early age. I mean, if there really is something wrong with them, well, you take care of them. But if they're just using this as an excuse to get out of taking a test, it's not okay. You need to have enough discernment to examine them and see if it's so or not. And if it's not so, if they're playing and being weak and yielding, you say, no, come on, get up, get up. We got to go. Got to go. Because you're training them for success when they're 40. Come on now, you're training them for success. In life. Amen. Say work. work. Work's God's idea. Work's Did you know God himself works? Yes. The Bible describes his creation as work. Yes. Said he worked and he worked. And on the seventh day he rested. Yes. God works. Yes. Jesus talked about work all through the gospel accounts. He said, I, you know, my food, the thing that satisfies me is to do the work of him that sent me to finish the work. How many remember? He's always talking about the work and he would tell the disciples work while you got day yes. work while you got the light. Yes. What's he saying? Work while you can, while you've got the opportunity work because he said the night's coming when nobody can work. How many know that even just with our lifespan, we got a limited work opportunity here. And we need to hit it while we can. Somebody say, work while you can. Work while you can. You know, soon we'll be out of here and we can rest forever. The Bible talks about individuals, once they've left this life, they rest from their labors. So when do you retire? <laughs> Not in this life. Now, you might retire from a given profession, but you are not supposed to retire from the work of God. You're supposed to be doing something fruitful and something profitable as long as you draw a breath. Are y'all with me now? Everybody. 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 God 
will not forget your work. In fact, you're going to be rewarded based on your good intentions. <laughs> no, based on what? What you actually got up and did. You work. <laughs> God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have showed toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Is there work that we can do that helps other Christians and believers, ministers to them? He said we desire that every one of you do show the same what? Diligence. Now, does that flow from verse 10? Is he talking about diligence with this work and labor of love? That you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. That you be not slothful. One translation says, don't be dull and lazy. But followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Thanks be unto God. Said out loud, not dull and lazy. Not slow. Not slothful, slothful. diligent, Diligent. to work, work. to labor, labor. diligent. Now the flesh wants to be lazy. Have you found that out? I'm talking about your flesh, your flesh and mine. I mean, the more you yield to the flesh, the lazier you'll get. And you'll just keep putting stuff off and just keep putting it off and keep letting it go and keep letting it go. Until, you know, dishes are piled up in the sink. There are no clean clothes to wear. There's a two inches of dirt and mud on the car. And, and well, we'll get to it sometime. This is fleshiness. Fleshiness. And when you get strong in your spirit, you get more diligent. Amen. Instead of putting stuff off, you do it. That's right. Do it. Take care of it. Procrastination is a bad thing. Always putting everything off. Now, if you got a check in your spirit to wait and do it, that's one thing. But not doing it, putting it off just because you don't want to fool with it. I'm tired. Well, being tired is not a leading. I'm going to go over that again real slow. <laughs> well, I'm tired. Your flesh will tell you that any time of the day if you listen. Oh, let's just sit down. Oh, let's wait. Let's wait. Well, let's just wait on that too. Well, let's just wait. Let's wait. No, tomorrow things will need to be done also. Today's things need to be done today so you can do tomorrow's things. And what happens is people don't do today's things, and they didn't do yesterday's things, and they didn't do last week's things, and so now they get up in the morning, and not only do they need to do today's things, but yesterday's things are still looking them in the face, and last week's things are still looking them in the face, and they feel overwhelmed, overwhelmed, and despairing. And just feel like, well, just get back in the bed. It's too much. I can't do it all anyway. Don't do today's things either because it's just all too much. It's just too much. It's just all crashing in on me. <laughs> laziness. And nobody wants to admit to laziness. But you've been lazy somewhere, sometime, about something. And so have I. It's the nature of your flesh. 
But laziness always has an excuse. Hmm? Go to Proverbs. Go to the book of Proverbs, please. Having any fun? <laughs> Proverbs 22. There's wisdom here and truth that makes free. Why are so many people so depressed and they feel so tired and so weary all the time and it just seems like they never have enough time and everything's too much and and too overwhelming? It's because they're not taking care of the day's things in the day. They're letting them accumulate and pile up and that has a wearying effect because even though you're trying to forget it, it's on the back of your mind. Hmm? And it's carrying over day to day and it's accumulating and it's wearing on you. And people like to think, well, yielding to the flesh is the comfortable, enjoyable life. It's not. Because even though you lay in there taking your fourth nap, you're not enjoying it. Because there's stuff chewing on you. Go ahead, get up, do the work, sweat, come back, clean up. Now you'll enjoy your nap. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You'll enjoy that now. Because you got release. You got relief. You know, get it done. Then play. Get it done. Then rest. You'll enjoy it so much better. Proverbs 22. Now, the Proverbs are rich with revelation on this topic. And if you want to, you know, do a little extra reading... While we're on this series, just read through the book of Proverbs. If you just read, you know, two or three chapters at a time or a week uh, over the course of the series, you'll have read through it and you'll be greatly enriched by it. Proverbs 22 and 13. It says the slothful man. What kind of man? Slothful. Slothful. What is slothful? Lazy. (laughs) Lazy. We'd probably call it today, but. Like we said last session, it's hard to meet these lazy people. Because anybody you talk to, are you lazy? Oh, no, no, I'm not lazy. I like to rest a lot, but I'm not just lazy. <laughs> and most anybody you meet, that no, they're not lazy. And yet, like I said, all of us have been lazy. That's not everybody agreeing with me here. There's not a man, there's not a woman in this place or outside this place by internet and TV that has never been lazy on a day or about a thing in their whole life. Every one of us (laughs) have been lazy about something somewhere sometimes, some more than others, yes, but everybody has. So we can all relate to this and this applies to all of us. Say it out loud, this This is the Bible. Bible. It applies applies to all of us. us. It applies applies to me. me. Proverbs 22 and 13. The slothful man says, there is a lion outside. I shall be slain in the streets. Now, what's that got to do with a man being slothful? 
This is an excuse for not going outside, not going to work. Why? So you going to work today? You know, there's lions out there. Man, you go out in that street, it's a dangerous place. What are we saying? Slothfulness always has an excuse for not doing it today, not doing it now, putting it off, waiting, or not doing it at all. Go to the 20, uh, you're in 22, I think it's 26. Yeah, 26 and uh, 13. It repeats the idea, but adds some uh, (laughs) very illuminating description here. The slothful man says, there is a lion in the way. A lion is in the streets. As the door turns upon his hinges, so the slothful upon his bed. (laughs) Now get the picture. The door is moving But it's not going anywhere. (laughs) Right? Because it is hinged to the door facing. And it creaks some of them when they open. That's how lazy people do. In the bed. They turn over. You get you going to work? Oh, you know they said it's going to be a bad storm today. I don't think I ought to get out on the road. <laughs> well, are you going out this afternoon? You know, my back's been bothering me. I don't feel good. They're moving, but they're not going anywhere. (laughs) I'm reading the Bible, friends. Keep reading. What does it say? As the door turns upon his hinges, so the slothful upon his bed. The slothful hides his hand in his bosom. It grieves him to bring it again to his mouth. What does that mean? Boy, my nose is itching. But I got my hand real comfortable right here. Would you scratch it for me? Somebody said, ain't nobody that lazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they are. But they didn't start out that way. It starts out with little excuses and little things, and it gets bigger, and it gets worse, and worse, and worse. How bad can it get? Well, we, how many people we got living on the street? They were offered three jobs last week. How many people we got on the welfare system that are well able to work? And have plenty of opportunity. And they don't want to. Because they're used to this lifestyle. Amen. 
But they don't realize what they're robbing themselves. What they could have. There's a whole lot of people are very crystal clear on what they want. But they're not interested in finding out what it takes to get it. And the Bible talks about diligence being a key factor in getting from what you want to having it. Somebody say diligence. Diligence. Work. Work. Labor. Labor. Now it takes more than work. There's also people who work hard all their life and are broke all their life. And that's not okay either. There are people who work their self into an early grave. Break down their body, work in multiple jobs, and just push their self till they break their self. And that's not God either. I said, that's not God either. But they were taught, you got to work. I mean, if you're a man, if you're a woman, you got to work. You got to push yourself. I had to make some adjustments myself. My granddad and my dad were that way. Both of them broke their health through pushing their self. My granddad, he worked a crop and uh, he, uh, he worked doing something until he damaged his arm and uh, he wouldn't stay in bed and let it heal. He, he'd be out in the fields working from daylight to dark with the, in a sling and, and do more with one hand than some people did with two. My dad worked multiple jobs. He'd get off one job and, and eat and go to the other job and, and pushed himself till he uh, had a lung collapse and damaged his health and and uh, when I was 16 I remember my granddad what was he in his 70s I guess and uh, I was helping him once in a while he'd want to get me to help him do something and we're cutting firewood and uh, I ran the saw a little bit he said boy give me that saw (laughs) and man he only had one speed wide open open. (laughs) anybody know what I mean by that I mean, you know, when he had a saw in his hand, you could watch the forest melt back. I mean, (laughs) trees are falling. And so I'm loading, and I'm half trotting with the wood. And finally, he set the saw down. He said, boy, if you're not going to work, go to the house. (laughs) I'm sweating. I mean, that's the way they were. And if you didn't work like that, then you're just a sorry individual and not a man. And uh, I know, you know, I got a job working and loading freight and doing that kind of thing. And, and then I got into ministry. After so we logged and well, what all we did. I mean, we did a bunch of stuff and, and eventually got into ministry. And uh, the Lord began to deal with me about praying and waiting on him. And in the middle of the day with the sun shining, he'd deal with me going there and lay across the bed and be quiet. I thought, What? Man, it's daylight. Man could do some work between now and then. He said, that is work. It's a different kind of work than what you're used to, but you need to learn about it. Mm. So I'd go in there and lay across the bed, and boy, that was tough. I thought, I can't do this. He said, this is your work now. You need to learn how to hear from me. You need to get in this book. You need to study. This is your work. The Bible calls prayer work. Are you with me? Yes. Talks about individuals laboring in prayer yes. and laboring in the word yes. and in doctrine. But there are folk that are lazy there too. That's right. See, you can goof off. You can watch TV and play golf 
all week and then read something out of the Reader's Digest Saturday night and come try to give a little 20-minute nothing. Are you with me? And that's not being diligent. Everybody's got their work. It's different. It's not all brute physical labor. Of course, nowadays we got so much technology and jobs that involve technology. A lot of people are sitting in an air-conditioned office, but it's work. Right? You're sitting behind a computer screen or whatever, but it's work. But everybody is supposed to be working. (laughs) That's not the whole crowd. Everybody. Everybody. Older people. Younger people. Kids, preachers, everybody supposed to be working, working, not just goofing off, not just (laughs) turning over to the other side. Keep reading here in Proverbs 26, the slothful hides his hand in his bosom, it grieves him. To bring it again to his mouth, a characteristic of lazy people, any little old thing bothers them, irritates them. They don't want to have to fool with it. Can't be bothered with it. The sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. What does that mean? Well, sluggard, slothful, lazy people make excuses. And as they go on pursuing this type of lifestyle, they get good at reasoning. And seven wise men can give reasons why you ought to do it. And a lazy man will try to talk them out of it. And in his or her own mentality, they are wiser than all these people. Nobody really understands. Yeah, I know the pastor said this, and I know my husband or my wife said this, and I know the boss said this, and and I know that this one said that, but they've got their own reasons. (laughs) People like to imagine that they and God have a separate, different relationship from the rest of the planet. What does that mean? I have had numerous times over the years, you start talking about the word or start talking about people doing something or making changes in their life. And I've had people say, well, you don't understand my relationship with God. Well, explain it to me. (laughs) Tell us about this unique relationship with God. What what does it mean? It's the kind of relationship that you can ignore the Bible Ignore scripture and not obey God and still be blessed. Now that's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> but that's what, they didn't say that, but that's what they mean. Is that they, they, they get to ignore God and they got their own thing. God knows me and he and I have, we have it worked out. Between ourselves. What do you got worked up? What are they saying? I'm telling you right now. Let me interpret it for you. They're saying they can ignore God's will for their life. They can ignore the Bible and not have to do it. 
and still are okay with God. Because they have a special relationship. And people that practice sluggardness and slothfulness, they, they have this special relationship. I, yeah, the, the Bible, it, it does say, if you don't work, you don't eat. But God has given me special dispensation concerning that because of my, you know, we, we, have, we have a special relationship, God and me. And, and, and most people don't understand it. I, you know, they just see a, a sloppy, lazy person that never works, never does anything. But God sees my heart. And people don't know. People don't know. But inside, <laughs> well, you can live in that delusion if you want to. But the truth is, your love for God and your obedience to God is shown in your life. People can see it. I know people don't like that, but they can. They can see it and they can see the lack of it. Hmm? It works out. It works out of you. If it's in you, it comes out of you. If it never comes out of you. (laughs) glory to God somebody say glory to God (laughs) well we're having fun now go to 1st Thessalonians let's have some more fun let's review a little bit from last week what is diligence what is diligence some of the the Hebrew words, Greek words, we gave some definitions. I'll give them again. Literally, one of the Old Testament words for diligence means vehemently. Yes. And what does that mean? That means uh, with zeal, with passion, with enthusiasm, intense or passionate are different definitions of vehement. Should we be passionate? Yes. Should we be really willing to... I'm, Get up and turn it on. I mean, be intense and do whatever. You know, one, one definition is energetic. Yes. Energetic. Another uh, definition of the word for diligence in the Old Testament is holy or completely. Another one is speedily. Speedily. And one literally means to, T-O, dawn. And it has to do with to do it at dawn. Well, that's as early in the day as you can, is what he's saying, to, to be early. Well, that bears, uh, that is in agreement, I should say, with New Testament definition, which says promptly, Amen. promptly. Amen. To be diligent is to be prompt and to do things promptly with earnest, with speed, energetic, and to make effort. Said out loud, I am not lazy. lazy. I'm not a sluggard. sluggard. I don't drag around. I don't don't procrastinate. I don't don't shirk my responsibilities. 
I, I am diligent. 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 The Bible has told us to be. In Romans, you don't have to turn there, but in Romans, the 12th chapter, we're told in verse 11, not to be slothful in business, but to be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Amen. Somebody say, not slothful, not slothful. in my business. In my business. But what? Fervent. fervent in spirit. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Fervency. We ought not to lose our fervency and passion just because we've been saved a long time. Jesus should be even more real to us. Things of God should be greater and stronger in us. We shouldn't just cool off and wax lax. We should be as intense, as excited, as passionate about the gospel and more so. More so with the passing years. Somebody said out loud, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm passionate about the gospel. I'm intense about the gospel. I love God. Amen. And when people love God, now listen how Jesus described it. The commandment to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, all is Wide open throttle. Isn't it? Wide open throttle. I like to see those jet engines running. Wide open throttle. It's interesting. A a fan jet engine will run over 100%. On the fan portion of it. It'll run. You know we were coming back from L.A. a few weeks ago. I told you we hit that 540 miles an hour. Well we had those fans spooled up to 104%. And that's, you know, acceptable for them. The core is running less than 100%, but the fan is 104%. Well, that's all it can do. (laughs) But it doesn't hurt those things to run that way all day long. It's not like your car engine. They'll do that all day long, not bother them. Well, how about us? Is 30% okay? No. 40%? No. 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 Let's push her on up. Huh? Anybody with me? Get a hold of those throttles and push them on up. Push them on up. 70, 80, 95%. Push them on up. That's when you get up high above all the muck and the guck. Get up high above all the storms and and the problems. And lay your ears back and move. Go for Jesus. You ever heard the term God's speed? How fast is God's speed? Fast. God's speed. God's speed's a Bible term. It's a good term. In fact, we're told not to tell people that are preaching error God's speed. We don't want them to take off and go full bore. We want them to quit and get saved and get right. But people that are preaching the gospel that are doing right, people that are living for God, God's speed. Open it on up. Now, I'm not just rattling on. How many remember what Jesus said about lukewarmness? Lukewarmness is not wide open throttle. Is it? What's lukewarmness? Well, it's not idle. But it's a long ways from 100%. What's lukewarmness? 20%. 
Right? I mean, you're running. You're doing something, but not much. You're doing only a fraction of what you're capable of. Was that, all, that okay with the Lord? Did he say, well, I'd rather you be lukewarm than be cold. I mean, uh, being warm is better than being cold. He didn't say that, strangely enough. You see something about the nature of the Lord. What did he say? He said, I'd rather you're cold or hot. But lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out. Why? God doesn't want us to play. Why? Because playing shows real heart problems. Doesn't it? Man, when your heart's in it, you can put everything else in it. If your heart's in it, if you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, nobody tell, has to tell you to give it your all. Do they? See, it shows heart problems when you play around with stuff. Your heart's not in it. God doesn't have your heart. You don't love him with all your heart. And a lot of folks wouldn't want to admit that, but that just is the case. Say it out loud, by faith, no matter what you've done in the past, say it out loud, I love God. I love God. The Lord my God. The Lord my God. With all my heart. With all my heart. All my soul. All my soul. All my mind. All my, all my strength. All my strength. I, love I love God. I serve God. I serve. I'll not be cold. I'll not be lukewarm. I'll be red hot. Fervent in the spirit. A hundred percent. Glory to God. Lord help us with this. We live in a cold. Lax generation don't we. Self satisfied. Well that's good enough. Don't ask us too much. Don't require too much. We'll go to a different church. I got up and came. What else do you expect me to do? It's not what I expect or what any other preacher expects. It's what your God requires. Doesn't he? He requires that we be willing to lay everything down. Everything down. And be his disciple. And nothing else even come close to being first place like him in our life. Nobody. Nothing else. He's first. He's it. And we're all for him. He was all for us, wasn't he? How much did he hold back? Nothing. He's still all for us, isn't he? How much is he holding back? Nothing. Well, then we ought to be that way with him. And when you're that way, you're diligent. You get up early. You do what it takes. You stay as long as it takes. You spend as much as it takes. Are y'all with me tonight or not? You, you do whatever it takes. Why? Because we're not just, this is not just about a, a job description. This is not just about getting paid. This is about loving God and serving God. And so it's just whatever it takes. It's whatever it takes. We'll rest later. Where are you in the scripture right now? First Thessalonians where? Two, two, this is helping us, isn't it? We're not just hearers only, we're doers of the word. I like that scripture that we read 
in uh, Ezekiel, I believe it was. No, Ezra, excuse me. Ezra 7 and 23, don't turn there. He said, whatever is commanded by the God of heaven, let it be diligently done for the house of the God of heaven. Diligently done. And that's going to be our motto, isn't it? That's going to be our creed, whatever the Lord tells us to do. We don't want to drag around and take months to do it when we could have already been on it. Hmm? We, we don't want to mess around. We don't want to do it halfway or sloppily when we could have done it better, when we could have done it fully. Whatever the Lord said do, let it be diligently done for the house of the God of heaven. Let's go further. 1 Thessalonians 2 and about verse 9. 1 Thessalonians 2 and 9. He said, brethren, you remember our labor and travail. For laboring night and day because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel. Was Paul a worker? Would you have called him a lazy man? Oh, no. Mm -mm. Did he have a ministry? A great ministry. A spiritual ministry. An apostle. And a prophet. And a teacher. If anybody would have thought they'd had an excuse not to ever get their hands dirty, it would have been him. Because he really did get called up to heaven. He really did see Jesus. He really was an apostle laying foundation for the churches. And yet, he had very strong convictions about money. And if you read in 2 Corinthians, we were reading in 2 Corinthians 9 a moment ago about purpose and in your heart. If you read that 8th chapter in that ninth chapter, and you go back to 1 Corinthians and read the, I guess it's the 8th chapter too. In ninth chapter, you'll find that he, man, he gets stirred up. The word vehement comes to mind in talking about the money. Let me just kind of paraphrase a little bit. You can go back and study it out yourself. But but he'd say, when I came to you, I didn't cost you a dime. He said, I work with my own hands. And I wasn't chargeable to anybody. Nobody was paying my bills. And then he explained to him. he said, but now, he said, and me and Barnabas, are we the only ones who would have to work side jobs? Don't we have a right to be supported? Don't we have a right? And I mean, he pled the case. And he brought Old Testament precedent. And what he was saying is, you know, they had a right to be taken care of. But... These people, this, these are people who didn't know anything about God. This was the laying of the foundation of the church. It was a beginning. And there were some other people coming in there trying to take advantage of them. And he said, if they really are apostles like me, let them do what I did. Let them come and minister to you for a year and not get paid. Which is what he did. And he said, like I said, he gets stirred up. And he'd say... Uh, Basically, I have a right to be supported, and it's right for you to support me. And we see different places where the church at Philippi did, sent to him multiple times, and many people did. But he said, I am going to preach this gospel without charge. 
He said, I got a right to be supported, but I'm not going to charge anybody anything for it or ask anybody that you're supposed to do this. He said, I'd rather die than to be robbed of this glorying. He gets stirred up about it. Well, there's two sides to the thing. But everybody should be such that you know how to believe God for yourself. And you are not wanting to ride somebody else. There are too many people that are too quick. Hanging around, dropping hints, hoping. You're going to do something. He didn't do that. Believers are not beggars. Are they? God did not make us a bunch of dependent beggars. You're supposed to have your own clothes. Your own food. Your own money. Come on, don't leave me now. Your own place. Your own stuff. If you're not there, don't be depressed about it. But don't say this is my lot in life. I'm telling you, God wants you to have your own. Come on now, your own. Say it out loud, God wants me. It is his will for me to have my own. My own clothes. My own food. My own home. My own money. But involved in that is going to be something called work. 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 Labor. Diligence. Getting up early. Staying up late. Going when you don't particularly feel like it. Going when you don't feel like it at all. Successful people are not lazy people. Are they? Keep reading this. He said we weren't chargeable to anybody. We weren't going around pulling on anybody, begging anybody. We believe for our own. We work for our own. And look at the fourth chapter in this same 1 Thessalonians 4 and 11. He said, I want you to study. How to be an apostle? Huh? How to have visions? He said, I want you to study how to be quiet. Did you go home and look up scriptures on it? And pray about it and make confessions and learn how to be quiet? And learn how to do your own business? And learn how to work with your own hands? This is the beginning of a new phase of the ministry and the church. Because we're not supposed to just come and be a meeting club. We're supposed to work. I labor in the doctrine and in teaching and in other areas and in leadership. And Phyllis does. And teams, service teams all over this church are laboring in their areas. Of the word and in prayer and in parking and cleaning and children's and you name it, you know. But still, not nearly enough people are putting their hand to the plow. Amen. That's right, that's right. Of the people we have as a church family. Yes. 
most of the church is not in teams. We got a bunch of people that are. A bunch of people. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Thank God. But what are the other folks doing? We're really having fun now. People say, well, I, uh, I love God and I come to church. Yeah, but what about your ministry? What about your service for the kingdom? What is your service for the kingdom? And if it takes you over 30 seconds to answer that, you need to get to prayer. You need to be doing something that benefits the kingdom some way. And you need to be diligent about it. So when we say be diligent, the Bible says be diligent. We're asking the question tonight also, be diligent at what? Be diligent doing what? Which presupposes that you find out what your work is. What is your work? What is your service? Let me read another verse or two to you here. In, uh, don't turn to these, maybe I'll put them up on the screen. Mark 13, 34. Mark 13, 34 says, The Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work. Who did he give work to? Preachers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and deacons, and singers, and choir, children's workers. No, to who? Every, the Lord has given to every man whose work? Did you see it? His work. His work. What is your work? Somebody said, well, I, I work hard making a living. Is that your service for the kingdom? Some of it could be, a lot of times it's not. It's just for the purpose of making money to pay bills. Do you want to go all your life and not do any service for the kingdom? No, you do not. Do you have work that is your work? Oh, come on now. Your work. Your work. Friends, we got millions, millions Of believers, they love God, they're saved. If they died right now, they go straight to be with Jesus. But they hadn't even found their church. Much less their work. Are you with me? And they're just living. Like they're going to do this forever. They get up, they get dressed, they go to work, they come back, they feed the kids, they cut the grass, they go to bed, they get up, they get dressed, they go to work. And they don't have service for the kingdom. And if they go to church, their primary focus is for somebody to help me and bless me and feed me and counsel me and talk with me and listen to me as long as I want to talk (laughs) and tell me what I think is okay. (laughs) People don't have the concept of the kingdom. We're in the infancy of even understanding that we should be about the master's business, aren't we? But, but, we can't talk for anybody else. We should not judge anybody else. But we can see to it that I find out what my work is. 
in the kingdom. And you find out what your work is. What is your service? What is your work? Because you're getting older. Your life will soon be over. What are you doing for the kingdom? It's sad that hundreds in this church already began their work and have already quit it. Whatever reason, they quit their team. And it's not like they're serving some other place. They're just doing nothing. Because they don't like getting here early or they don't like staying late. Because i got to drive. And Well, how do you think all those excuses are going to go over before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ? You think it's going to work and carry weight? Well, we had to work all the time and pay bills and I was tired. Well, don't imagine telling me that. Imagine telling him that at the end of your life. Why didn't you do any service for the kingdom of God? Why didn't you? You at least want to practice before you get there. You need to have something to say. (laughs) Maybe I won't have to say. Every one of us is going to stand before the Lord and give an account of what we did and didn't do. This is not to determine whether we're saved or not. We're already saved. Not by what we've done or didn't do. By the blood of the Lamb. By what He did. We are saved. But we'll be rewarded or not rewarded. And our place in the kingdom is being affected and determined. Some will be ruler over much. Some not much. And that's being determined by what we're doing right now. Isn't it? It is. What is your service? When we say be diligent, we need to ask the question, diligent doing what? What is your service for the Lord? You could possibly need to do a good bit of praying about this. I know I didn't know what my service for the Lord was for some time. Months I prayed and sought the Lord. and I mean, it just was a shock to me that the Lord had me to be a preacher. That's not something I had planned. I'm so glad now. But not everybody's supposed to be a preacher, but everybody is supposed to serve. I mean, just this church. This church is not that big. But how many people does it take to make this church work? Huh? You see all these people when you drove in? You see all these ushers? You see all these children workers? All these cleaners? I mean, how many people does it take? And some people are getting overworked because hundreds and hundreds are doing nothing. And they think, well, I wish you'd quit bringing it up because I just don't like hearing it. We're not bringing it up for our sake. We're bringing it up for your sake. Because the day's coming. Coming soon. And oh, it's going to be so good if you were diligent. You found out what your job was. You found out what your work is. And you showed up early and you stayed late and you did it. You did your job. It's not how much people see you. It's not how big your job is. It's not how spiritual somebody thought it was. If it's what the Lord told you to do and you're faithful in it, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be rewarded. 
and you're going to be happy about it. It's going to give you a sense of contentment and belonging. How many that have really applied yourself on these teams, can you testify? It's done something for you, for your insides. It's done something about who you, how you see yourself and who you are and the connections that you have in these teams. These people love you. They're your family. They'll go to the end for you. You can't put a price on all these things. But what if you had refused to serve? What if you've been too busy? Be diligent at what? Now, once you find out what your work is, you must assume the responsibility. Many, well, maybe I should say some to be conservative. Some are shirkers of responsibility in their own life. And then when things don't go right, they blame others for what they should have done, what they should have taken care of. Because to hear them, it needs to be done. Somebody ought to do that. You ever heard that? Somebody ought to do that. What's that church doing about the lost? What's that church doing about the hungry? What's that church doing about missions? What's that church doing? What are they doing over there? That's the wrong question. (laughs) Isn't it? The Lord tells you to do something. We don't have to get together as a congregation and vote on it to see whether you can or not. Lord tells you to feed somebody. You don't have to ask me. Feed them. Right? You don't have to, you don't have to wait till we form a team that specifically describes what God told you to do and buy you a little jacket with a seal that says you're on the team and give you a written document. What are we waiting on? What are we waiting on? And you see, you, you got hundreds and hundreds of people come say, well, you know, I've been praying and I just feel like the church ought to do this. I feel like y'all ought to do this. And the thing is, the Lord's telling them to do it, and they're too lazy and faithless to do it. It's not what are they doing. What am I doing? What is my job? What is my service? You remember John, excuse me, uh, Peter, after Jesus had raised from the dead, and uh, he was asking about John. And Jesus said, uh, well, if I will that he remain, you know, till I come back. What is that to you? You follow me. You follow me. Because he's looking at John. What's John doing? (laughs) Well, what's that to you? What John is doing? (laughs) What about John? How many Christians are doing that, you wonder? (laughs) What about John? What about that church? What about that denomination? What about that preacher? What about them? What would the Lord tell you and me? What is that to you? What I told them to do, what is that to you? You need to find your work. So everybody said out loud, what is my work? What is my service? How many people have service for the Lord? Every man, every woman, every person, I mean our little ones from the time they're old enough to think and understand, we need to be talking about them, about finding their service. Yes, sir. They can do something. The youth can do a lot. Yes, sir. The young adults can do a tremendous amount. Yes, sir. 
Everybody. The older folks that may have retired from two professions can do tremendous amount. Everybody is to have their service. Galatians 6.4. Don't turn there, just listen. Galatians 6.4 in the New Living Testament. He says, pay careful attention to your own work. For then you'll get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. Isn't that good? Read it with me again. Do what? Pay careful attention to who? How many folk are not doing that? They are paying careful attention to other people. What they're doing or not doing. To your own work. People say, well, I'm not a preacher. I'm not called to the ministry. Wrong. Every man and woman born again is called to the ministry. Everybody has got their service, their work to do. Not everybody's supposed to stand behind a pulpit and preach. No. But what is the word ministry? Service. Work. Work. Everybody's got their work. Boy, if people really understood this, they'd be lining up out in the parking lot going, can I hold that flashlight? Let me hold the flashlight. (laughs) Would you let me vacuum? Let me vacuum that part. Would you? Would you let me do that? Let me clean up the poopy diaper. (laughs) No, no. Listen, cleaning up the poopy diaper at home, it just cause it needs to be cleaned up. But when it's at church, it's eternal. It's eternal. You're doing something that helps the church service to go. If we understood that, people would be beating the door down. Let me do it. Let me dust that. Let me do it. Why? Because they'd understand in a few more days, I'm going to be standing before the judgment seat of Christ. I don't want to go in empty. I don't want to go in and I know even if I worked hard all my life, when the fire hits it, it's all gone. Because it didn't amount to anything. Didn't affect the kingdom. Didn't really help people. And I'm standing there. I'm saved. But nothing. Got no reward in those areas. Hmm? If people really understood this, they'd be going, let me. Can you use somebody else? Hmm? Hmm? And the plan of God is that we're rotating people hugely, not because people are tired, but to give somebody else an opportunity, right? To get some service, to get some training, to get some reward. But you've got to have people that's diligent, that'll take hold of the responsibility and that you can count on them and that it'll be done. So you got one, there's two ditches in this thing you got people that won't take responsibility it's always somebody else's job that's i just go there i tend but i you know it's, it, that needs to be done but it's not my job that needs to be done but it's not my job somebody ought to do it anybody could do it somebody ought to do it y'all do it what about you but then people get out of that ditch and they go all the way across the road and they want the responsibility But they want it all. And don't tell me how to do it. Now if you're going to give it to me. Give it to me. Somebody say what's wrong with that. 
Well, for instance, in the church, if we did that, then would we be being diligent as leaders? If we're not overseeing it, if we're not providing leadership, then that's us being lazy, and that's easy to do. I've seen a lot of pastors do it, and I know why. As things get bigger and bigger and bigger, it's easier. Just turn it over to somebody and don't have to think about it. Let them do it. Would to a point, it's still your job to oversee it. It's still your job to provide the vision and the leadership. And the Bible said, if you're not faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? What does it mean another man's? Somebody else is in leadership. Well, if you're not the leadership, then you're not to do it your own way. You're to do it their way. Hmm? Well, I just think we ought to do it God's way. (laughs) And that's real cute. Absolutely, we are to do it God's way. But out of the thousands of people that call this their church, who gets to say which is God's way? We just going to rotate? You tell us which is God's way. It's your day to tell us what God's way is. You hear the error of this. Well, I just think it ought to be a thing. Well, as soon as the Lord gives you the leadership of a work, you can implement all those wonderful ideas. But I give you a little clue. If you're not faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you ever that which is your own? <laughs> I know that's one reason the Lord gave us leadership of our own. For 20 years, we had the opportunity to do it somebody else's way. And you have to learn that. If you're serving with somebody, you need to learn two people, not just one, the Holy Ghost and them. Over the years of serving Brother Kenneth Hagin, I learned there were some things. It took me a while to learn, but some things he preferred. It wasn't a matter of direction from heaven or I got it from the Holy Ghost. It's just how he liked it. But if he was happy and comfortable, it helped him to yield to the Spirit. Even though it's natural stuff, can you see this or not? And so the more we were able to learn that, well, how do you like it? Well, they like this here. And they were very specific about where things went and how they went and how you peel a tomato and where the peanut butter goes. And We'd be before a service and he'd say, did you leave that light on? Yes, sir. Okay. But so what's that got to do with it? If it crossed his mind, then it's something he don't need to be thinking about. I mean, he's got a service coming up in just a couple of minutes. So I said, well, you know, what does that matter? It's not yours. It's his. You're helping him. What does that mean? It means no matter what you think, you do it his way. You see, people have not got a hold of this. There's so much rebellion in this generation. They just get upset unless you just turn everything over to them and you can't say a word about how they do it. Or else they get upset and get offended and get their feelings hurt. Well, that's not how it works around here. You know that. And that's not how it works with God. People let it go because they're afraid of losing people and offending people. 
But oh, what they sacrifice in doing so. People don't respect you for being weak like that. Do they? They don't. What are the two ditches? Tell me again. Won't take responsibility. See, when something is given into your charge, get this area clean. Then if it's not clean, it's your fault. Don't blame anybody. Don't make any excuses, right? Somebody needs to take responsibility for this being clean. And when you find out that's my job, what is your job is what we're saying. What is your job? Whatever your job is, man, take it. You know, what's that word? Be vehement about it. Be intense. I remember I was at a church some years ago, and uh, the ministry of helps was just wonderful. When I got out of the car, I think there were four guys trying to tote my briefcase. There were people everywhere with a big smile and trying to help and trying to do it. At the end of the service, there was a young man. He just beaming, standing by the side the whole time, just beaming, beaming. And on my way out, he said, did you go to the restroom? I thought, huh? He said, have you been to the restroom? I said, yeah, I was in there. He said, was it okay? I said, spotless. He said, that's my job. I said, good man. Good job. And he just beaming. He just beaming. Here is a brother who has some revelation. He knows what is important. How many know the King David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. Where in the house of the Lord. Than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Than to be on the 50th floor. Right? Than to be in the townhouse. Than to be, why? Because all that's going to be ashes in a few more days. And nobody will ever remember it. And it won't mean a thing. But he helped the service yes, by cleaning a bathroom. Yes, and what did we read in our text? God is not unrighteous to forget it. God remembers every bathroom clean, every car parked, every diaper changed. Come on, come on. God remembers everything. Everything. And see, when he got through saying it, he said, because of that, we want everybody. Don't be slothful. Don't be lazy and dull. Be diligent all the way to the end. Does that mean more to you now? What he's saying. Why? Because God remembers every little thing. He keeps record of it. He's going to bring it up to you when you stand before his seat in a few days. He's going to bring it up to you. And he's going to reward you. And me. Somebody say glory to God. Go to Colossians 4. You ready to close? Colossians 4. Somebody say be diligent. Be diligent. I found my job. Hmm? Yes. What was my job today? I've preached thousands of times. But I must not be sloppy and lazy. I must not just pull out some notes and say, oh, this will be fine. So I looked at another thousand scriptures this afternoon. Why? That's my job. I said, that's my job. Not your job, that's my job for this. And I'm to do the best I know how. Because even at that, I don't know much. 
Well, what's your job? Because you got one. I said, what's your job? Y'all are too quiet. Do you know your job? Have you found your job? If you're watching by internet or TV, find your church. I don't care if you have to move to another continent. No, I didn't say move here. This is not the only church. There are many, many wonderful churches and ministries all over this planet. Find some people that are doing something for God. Not a bunch of lazy folk sitting around just waiting for Jesus to come. Find people that are working. Find a church that's working. And go hook up with them. And say, let me do something. Just show up. They say, well, they didn't use me first time. We just keep showing up, showing up, ready. Say, I'm ready today. You need me today? Here I am. I'll do anything. You know how Phyllis and I started in the ministry? Wasn't preaching and praying. It was sweeping floors. It was filling out paperwork. What if you hadn't done that? You wouldn't have got to the next step. And you wouldn't have got to the next step. And you wouldn't have got to the next step. You read in the book of Acts, the people that became the prophets, the evangelists, you know who they were? They were the people that waited on tables. The first bunch they needed, they were the deacons. And deacons, people have kind of flowered that word up. But deacon means servant. It's like a table waiter. Next thing you know, they're preaching the gospel. They're having miracles. Right? The people that were diligent to wait tables and prepare food and do what needed to be done in the natural. Why? Because that's what the kingdom needed. They became the evangelists, the prophets, the apostles. Can you say glory to God? You in Colossians? The fourth chapter. Verse 17. And say to Archippus, or as my friend Buddy Harrison used to say, Archipus. <laughs> Tell old Archipus. What? Tell him what? Archipus? Take <laughs> That's the Arkansas, Southern Missouri pronunciation. Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord. Now he had to receive it, didn't he? See, there's a lot of people, they find out something, they have opportunity, but then they won't receive it. They won't take the responsibility of it. He received it, and he said, do what with it? Take heed that you do what? That you fulfill it. The NIV says, see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. Be sure to finish the work the Lord gave you. Don't be upset with me tonight now. But be serious about finding your work. And finding your place. And not letting another day and week and month pass by you and just live. Do you have a work? We read in the Bible. I could show you another six scriptures right now. Every man, to every man is given grace. To every man. Is give, it has that call and that purpose. Every one of us has work. Find it. I don't care how far you have to go. How much you got to spend. What you got to do. What you got to give up. What you got to rearrange. Do it. Do it. And then when you find out what your work is. Now you can apply all these wonderful things you're learning about diligence. Right? <laughs> to that. 
And you can be early and you can be diligent and you can be prompt and you can be vehement and you can be earnest and you can be speedy and you can be excellent. And in a few more days, you're going to hear, well done, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. Now, be ruler over much. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Don't you want to hear those words? Said out loud by the grace of God. I will hear those words. I'll find my work. I'll be diligent in it. And I'll hear those words. It's not too late. I don't care if you wasted most of your life. Look at what God did with Jesus in three years. Hmm? God can do a lot with you in a few months if you're willing. You know the kind of people God uses? The available ones. (laughs) The ones who are available. The ones who are ready. The ones who will do it. Somebody say glory to God. Say it again. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Go to Matthew 9. We will, we'll just close with this. I'd, I only got to point one tonight, but that's okay. You going to come back? Matthew 9. Yes, sir. Matthew 9 and verse 37. Jesus went about all the cities and villages. Was Jesus lazy? Absolutely not. Was he about the Father's business? Oh, he was. Teaching, preaching, having healing lines that stretched plumb out of sight. Get up in the morning and go do it again. Diligent. Teaching and preaching, healing. And when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and they were scattered abroad as sheep. Having no shepherd. You remember when he's talking to Peter after he raised from the dead. What did he have on his mind? What did he ask Peter? Peter, you love me? Huh? Then stay home and pray all day. Uh Uh-uh. See, this stuff about being so holy to God that you separate from the world and nobody ever sees you is a bunch of baloney. Hmm? Yeah, pray. But get prayed up and get some direction and get up and get dressed and go do something. Go do what you got in prayer. And uh, he said to him, do you love me? He said, yeah. He said, take care of my lambs. Didn't he? What's he got on his mind? The work of the ministry. Taking care of my people. Doesn't he? Can we all be involved in that? Can you be involved in that? This job's too big for me and Phyllis. You know that. This job's too big for me and Phyllis and a thousand people in this church. Can you be a part of taking care of his little lambs? The little young ones that just got born again and saved. Helping them. He said, do you love me? He said, yeah, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. And he said it again. Three times. Is the Lord interested in his work? The work of his people being taken care of. He said when he saw them. They were scattered. They were fainting. They were weak. They didn't have a shepherd. They weren't being fed. They weren't being led. They weren't being cared for. 
bothered him, moved him. And he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous. But the what? The spiritual people. People that know how to quote the Bible. What? What are we short of? Pew warmers. People with good attendance. Huh? What are we short on? The laborer. What's a laborer? Worker. The workers are few. So he said, boys, pray. Pray what? Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send workers. Workers. The Marines are looking for a few good men. God's looking for a bunch of what? Workers. Not talkers. Not players. Hmm? Workers. Do I have any workers in here? All the workers stand up. All the workers. All the workers stand up. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.